Hey, welcome to Barreled in Truth Podcast. My name is Devin. And my name is Satorio. And here on Barreled in Truth, we're going to be talking about all things in life with a biblical reformed perspective while we drink a glass of bourbon and smoke a cigar. All right. How you doing, Chris? Michael? Good. Yo. We are back for another episode of the Barreled in Truth Podcast. You might be wondering... Why is the black man talking right now? <laughs> well, it is because Devin is being a faithful servant um, to the church. They had worship practice tonight, and worship practice is far more important than um, the podcast. You know, this is a this is a leisure. It's a pleasure. Obviously, we do it to glorify God, but. Um, you know, we have to do our due diligence with priorities. So Devin is not with us tonight because of worship practice. So shout out to Devin. Devin. It ain't the same without him. Um, we miss you, but we thank you for being faithful to the church, um, for holding the mantle for us and giving us a dope worship experience. So with that being said, Michael is subbing in for him. Mike. So Mike it's me. on the mic. Chris and Mike. Michael, we'll start off with you. What you sipping on? What you smoking? Talk to me. I am smoking a Placentia. Mm -hmm. And I am drinking some of that wild turkey single barrel. Okay. Bishop, what you you smoking on? What you sipping on? Man, I'm doing a Buffalo Trace combo here in honor of a future trip. Going to be taken soon. Drinking some Buffalo Trace and smoking a Buffalo Trace cigar. Very good. I'm a little jealous about that trip. <laughs> I ain't going to have you going on too many more trips and ain't take me on none, man. I'm starting to feel away. Well, yeah, we can work something out. <laughs> and I am sipping on uh, this wild turkey as well. What is this? Is it, what is it? Single barrel? Single barrel, yeah. Single barrel. It's my first time having it. I've seen it on, tic- on Bourbon TikTok. I've always wanted to try it. And Chris blessed me with a chance to try it. And I got a good pour. He said, do my thing. That's what I did. And it is amazing. And I am smoking on a EP Corello Platinum Bash 70-year celebration stick. This is my first time having it. And let me just say, fellas, y'all need to get it. It's a good stick. So, on today's episode, we are going to be covering the topic of divorce um, it is not a fun topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not a topic that we will treat lightly. Um, but the Bible has a lot to say about it. Jesus has some things to say about it. So we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So divorce, Pastor Chris, what say ye? <laughs> what say ye? It sucks. It does. Um, divorce really, really does suck. And <clears throat> and I have briefly shared part of my story um, as a person who has suffered the tragedy of divorce. Um, you know, there's there's not many feelings like it in the world. And I think the reason for that is marriage is the most unique relation, relationship in creation. Um, you know, we can talk all day about, well, there's nothing like a love between a mom and a son or a father and a daughter, a father, son, or mom, daughter, brother, 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 sister, sister, sister. I mean, all those relationships 
are are great and they are unique in and of themselves but they all flow from the gift of marriage um and there is no other relationship on the planet that is designed to image forth the covenant keeping love between christ and his bride and that's what makes marriage so unique and so special and that's why divorce uh is so ugly and I don't know the exact statistics, but for the last maybe 15, 20, 30 years, you know, at least half marriages, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And I think over 60% of those who marry, remarry after they've gone through divorce, end in divorce. Yeah. And so um, I think that obviously scripture has a lot to say about divorce because it is. Um, has been historically an issue but it's it's pandemic in our culture it is um because you know people are so quick to tap out on commitment and you know uh, we're all about self-love and self-preservation and you know when people enter into marriage for the purpose of fulfillment and making themselves happy they're going to be um now there is happiness and there is fulfillment in it but if that's the ultimate goal um, when you make that about yourself, you will ruin it. Yeah. And so, you know, most English translations in Malachi 2.16, a lot of English translations have in there, God hates divorce, right? Yeah, he does. Not every English translation does that, and there's, there's a few various reasons for that and things like that. But um, my bride's interrupting us, y'all, but she's pretty, so she can do that. Quick pause, y'all. Uh, it's a pizza guy. It's pizza. My, Michael, <laughs> Michael had a pizza delivered. Didn't tell nobody. So, uh, First lady, was you scared? Michael went around the gate. He's you ain't got get, yeah. nothing to worry about up in here. I'm going to let you know that The right black now. man packing heat. <laughs> you ain't got nothing to worry about. Um, Sorry, y'all. Brief brief break. First lady. Michael ordered. So just to give y'all a little bit of what's going on. A lot of us haven't eaten yet. I, I ate before I came. Well, I just had some Popeyes. Chris had some Popeyes. I told y'all he's my black cousin. <laughs> he had some Popeyes. And mm. Michael ordered the real pizza. Lord's chicken. That's facts. Mm. So Michael had to step away to grab his pizza that just got here at the door. So, so well, we're back. We're back. So... <clears throat> Well, Malachi two sixteen. You just freaked my wife out, by the way. Yeah, Jess was. She thought somebody was trying to. <laughs> it's all good. You do your thing. Do your thing. <laughs> but um, with most English translations uh, saying in Malachi two sixteen that God hates divorce, I think that that that's something that we have to deal with and wrestle with. Yeah. Um. You know, as we were talking about, you know, covering the topic of divorce, it, it is uncomfortable. Uh conversation for me mm-hmm. because I also have been through a divorce. It's not something that I'm proud about. Um, and how I've coined it, divorce is a unnecessary necessity in, some, in certain situations. And what I mean by that is it's unnecessary in the sense of it was never part of God's design. Correct. It was never part of God's design. Marriage is a beautiful gift that represents the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. You've heard us talk about it. You're going to continue to hear us talk about it. 
Um, and so that was never a part of God's original design for marriage. Mm-hmm. And and so when I say it's a nece- it's a unnecessary necessity, it is a necessity in the sense that there are, um, I guess you would say, parameters by which mm-hmm. the Bible says it's okay to mm-hmm. get a divorce. There are some biblical there are some justifications for it. And, and even we'll those out. and even in those biblical justifications, from the whole of Scripture, we can we can we can kind of glean that even then we still should pursue um, to restore the marriage. Um, you have to do everything you can. To yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's uh, it's while it's allowed, it's mm-hmm. not it's not as if it's encouraged. I guess that's the how I'm trying to communicate it. Sure, um, and you know, but. We live in a culture now that less and less people are getting married. It seems, you know. Yes. Um, marriage and, and is a cu- that, curse word. Um, yeah, marriage is the enemy. Thank you, wedding crashers. Um, where you know the entirety of that movie was dedicated to uh, essentially that that marriage is the enemy. Don't get married. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to use the the ceremony of a wedding. Uh, to go chase girls and things like that. But um, so we, we live in a culture and a society that, and, and I've said this repeatedly in sermons and in conversations and even on the podcast. And I feel like we're, we're living in the most narcissistic culture the world's ever seen. Yeah, um, so true. And social media has done nothing but feed that and promote that and, and give everyone a platform to parade narcissism. And, and so selfishness is, is one of the primary reasons that marriages fail. People enter into this covenant thinking of self more than the other. And that's not God's design for marriage. And so the reason, if, if we're going to look at the, the whole scope of Scripture, the reason that God hates divorce is because what marriage represents. Mm, come the, on. It's, it's why God designed yeah. marriage. And obviously a very, the very familiar passage in Ephesians 5, I don't know if you got it pulled up, yeah, sure. Um, Let me go to it. Let's let's pull. I Ephesians was in Matthew five. five. We're gonna go there. We're gonna yeah, go to a couple go to of them. Ephesians. But... I got you. I can read that for you. Yeah. You said Ephesians five. Yep. Uh, twenty-two through thirty-three. I mean, yeah. just very familiar. But let's hash it out. You know, um, because Paul is giving this very vivid picture of God's design for marriage, and he does say this is, is somewhat of a mystery. It's really hard for us to to grasp what 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 God is doing in the covenant relationship of marriage, but that's why that relationship is the most unique, beautiful relationship in the world. Yes. I mean, he says in Ephesians 5, 22, wives submit to your husbands, ask to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So that's checkpoint number one. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. Right. For husbands is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Again, not about you, about the Lord. And is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church Mm. and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Let's pause there for a second. Uh Uh-huh. Come on. Go ahead. So, that, that part of that passage, um, a lot of times kind of gets misrepresented or we, we, us men, we kind of, we love that first part, you love know, the first because part. 
we're very driven by respect and authoritarian in our nature and and God designed us for leadership and headship and things like that. And we see that throughout the scriptures in First Corinthians 11 and others uh, and even here. But, you know, verse 25 is kind of that hinge point there uh, in this conversation uh, that Paul is in this letter that he's writing to the churches in Ephesus. And he that's that's where we as men, obviously, we have to camp. Verse 22 isn't so much our concern. 25. 25 is your concern. Right. So, but we, and, and, and we, we talk about this all the time, but like these men, you know, they'll puff their chest out and their testosterone driven bravado and say, well, I'll die for my wife and I'll take a bullet for my wife, but you won't serve her. And you can't Ooh, love her like Jesus loved the church. Yeah. You can't love her like Jesus loved the church. If you're not going to humbly serve her, because when it says to love her, like Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus lived for the church before he died for the church. He served the church before he died for the church. So it's very easy to say, Come yes, on. I'll take a bullet for my wife. Yeah. Any man worth his salt is going to take a bullet for his wife. Right. But are you going to unload the dishwasher? Yeah. Are you going to think of her needs ahead of your own? Are you going to put her and esteem her better than yourself? Because when we go from Ephesians 5 to Philippians 2, we see what the mind of Christ is, which is humility and service. Come on. Um, and so we have to constantly fight against the tendency to demand respect and, and kind of bang our fist on the table and, and puff right. our chest out because that's not the way Jesus approached the church. That's not the way Jesus served the church. Jesus said in Mark 10, I didn't come to be served, yeah. but to serve. Now, how many men walk home, walk in the door every day from work with the opposite mentality of, of wanting and needing to be served because Ooh, they're the man? Man, you know, and I got to tell myself because I, I've coveted that for years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't until I actually was in a healthy marriage, a healthy biblical marriage, that I realized that I had it twisted. Yeah. You know, I was literally on the way here, you know, I was praying. I, every time we record on the way to wherever we're recording at, I'm always praying over the podcast that the Holy Spirit would meet with us. And I just started praying over the topic. And one of the things that I prayed about on my way here, I was just like, man, you know, I am grateful to be able to serve my wife in mm -hmm. this new capacity because... Mm -hmm. Now my wife is actually working, so she doesn't get home till about 5.30. Mm -hmm. I'm off at 3.30. So one of the new ways that I get to serve her is I've taken, oh, I've taken over doing the majority of the cooking. Mm. So, you know. Putting that soul in it. And yeah. Cook. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so because before, you know, before my wife was not working and, you know, rocking out the stay-at-home mom thing, well, she was doing a killer job in it, by the way. Um, you know, now she's working. And so one of the ways that I can now serve her is I can take on that mantle. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I would have been walking in pride and not abiding, not abiding by Ephesians 5 25, mm -hmm. you know, I would be in my feelings. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm the man. I ain't cooking. Right. But you know, I, I take it as a joy to be able to serve her in this right. capacity. And to, and to, yeah, and, and that's another thing is to do that joyfully uh, as opposed to begrudgingly. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. and, and when you truly have the mind of Christ as a husband, 
And you, you can't love your wife like Jesus loved the church unless you have the mind of Christ, which is going to be given to you by the Holy Spirit. That's right. Uh, and as uh, and, and the more that we dive into the scriptures and, and that role, um, <clears throat> it truly comes through humility and service. And, and, you know, that's the mind of Christ to esteem others better than yourself, mm-hmm. to not to look out for other interests, um, not just your own, but the others interest. And, and that starts at home. And so, you know, we have to esteem our wife's needs and desires and interests ahead of our own. And that takes supernatural humility. That is not going to come naturally because the natural man says, serve me, love me, esteem me, affirm me, exalt me in the flesh. That's that's, that's right. who we are. Because if, if every man is honest with himself, he idolizes respect. We do, bro. We do, bro. Uh, but in the kingdom of God, the, the best way to gain that respect is to be a humble servant. Jesus said those who, the least of these will be the greatest. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to be the least here. Oh my gosh. So Come if we're going to practice and, 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 and work on the kingdom of God at home as, as husbands, men, we have to start there. It's not about parading yourself and puffing your chest out and demanding this and demanding that it's, it's about lovingly serving your wife. So I wanted to make that point before you, cause Paul's got some more things to say there for sure. He does. Um, and if we're going to talk about Malachi two sixteen, I think the reason that God hates divorce and let's make it very clear that God doesn't hate those who suffer from divorce, he he hates the act of divorce. Right. So he hates divorce, but he loves the divorcee. A hundred percent. And so this passage, I think, gives us the reason why God hates divorce. Yes, because, you know, going back to this passage, Ephesians 5.25, notice how many times from just in this whole section from 22, verse 22 to um, 33, that he says the word Christ the church, Christ, the church, right. Christ, the church. Yep. So there's this constant flow and imagery of marriage Correct. is about Christ, Christ and the church. It's about Jesus and his bride, man. So it's not about what the American picture of marriage is. Um, you know, marriage isn't necessarily the American dream um, for the Christian. No, it's I deeper mean, than that. It's, it's bigger it's, than it's that. It's so much deeper than that. And I tell, I have, I have done premarital counseling for, hundreds of young couples and I tell them a lot of things but one of the things that I tell them as they as they prepare for their wedding day and I love weddings I love them I love marriage I am a big fan of marriage I'm a big we fan are of pro weddings. marriage here at this, very very at very pro marriage and so but I tell them one of the things that I tell them is listen your your goal when you get married is not to just stay married and not get divorced. Ooh, you got to unpack that, dog. Because Ooh. if it, because you can find yourself in 30... And listen, I've been in church since I was nine years old. I've seen a lot of miserable couples. But they but they, but they, they walk around, well, we're, we're getting it right. We're still together. No, y'all can't stand each other. That's not a fruitful marriage. That's not a gospel-centered, fruitful marriage. If you, in 30 years, can't stand each other, you got it wrong. Yeah. I don't care if you didn't get divorced or not. Yeah. It's not a gospel-centered marriage. So the goal is not for wow. you to just stay married and not get divorced. Wow. Your goal is to be fruitful. Your goal is to have a gospel-centered marriage. Husband, your goal is for the world to look at your wife like a well-nourished, watered vine. 
that is growing and blooming and blossoming yes, and she is the best version of herself because uh -huh. she's married to you and you've been doing your job as a husband to love her and sanctify her like he just said in Ephesians that, there. That right there is so convicting, by the way. Like just asking every every husband should ask themselves the question, is my wife the best version of herself because she's married to me? Correct. And when you ask yourself that, ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, it kind of yeah. hits home a little bit. But so, so that's that's the conversation that I have with couples and even couples who that I, you know, that I didn't do premarital counseling with, but I'm doing marriage counseling with. I'm like, how did you get here? You know, what 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 happened? You made it about yourself. Both the husband and the wife are being selfish and not selfless. And And so. When that happens, and men, obviously, it has to start with us, and it's not a foolproof thing. I mean, crap happens, right? 100%. But if your goal is to just stay married and not get divorced because you want to. And listen, there's a lot of older couples that just want to put that on their religious resume. Ooh. <laughs> Come I've on, seen Bishop. It. I've experienced it. Oh, my gosh. I've, I've kind of heard that kind of hinted in conversation. But again, if you're if you're miserable, that's not God's plan for your marriage. How is anyone going to look at that and see the gospel? Jesus isn't miserable with the church. Yeah. And the church better not be miserable with their Savior. You know, that made me think, you know, about what Paul said in Romans 12, 10, where he's talking about um, outdo one another. And showing honor. And showing honor. That's such a good marriage verse. Yes, it is. Like, yeah, I mean, that's for the church, but listen, you know, husband and wife, let's let's outdo one another. Showing, let's serve one another. If if you, if, if both husband and wife are striving to outdo one another and showing honor, mm -hmm. you're going to have a bomb marriage, bro. It's going to be bomb, man. Like, because it's going to be dope. As the, as Jesus loves the church and serves the church, and, and Jesus still serves the church now at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, giving us his spirit, empowering us. So the the service of Jesus didn't stop with his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He's still serving his bride and will come back for his bride. And that's important. But that's the part of the submission of the church to Jesus involves serving, right? We serve Jesus wow. as, as, as his bride. So I and think, so, and so it's reciprocal. Yeah. It's reciprocal in service, right? That doesn't mean that just doesn't, she doesn't have a free ticket to not serve me because I'm supposed to serve her. Right. It is reciprocal because yes. when when he says in verse 22, and we do have to tackle that just a little bit. But but when he says in verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, he needs to be acting like the Lord. Yes. Right. So he needs to be behaving and doing his part. But that is reciprocated in, her, in that submission, which is is humility and service to the husband as the head who is behaving and, and loving like Jesus loved the church. Yeah, and you know, talking about divorce, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking there has been so many people that have gotten divorced and when I hear men talk, they prided themselves on providing, right? Yeah, sure. And, and so, that's okay. I mean, Paul told, told you Timothy, should. 
You should yeah, provide. Yeah, a man that doesn't provide for his, his family is worse than an infant. But like you, there's a part of I would I would press that and say that is the easiest part of marriage providing work. I mean, yeah, if work. If, I you, mean, that's, if you're a man, yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> you know, like that's that's what we do. We were created to work. So I think right. But I think a lot of Agreed. men. Mm-hmm. When they when they hear us talk like this about these passages, they think all they have to do is just simply go to work. Just go to work. That's and old school. Your marriage mentality. will die, and your marriage can likely end in divorce if that's mm-hmm. all you think you are to do as a husband is just simply pay the bills. Right. Because a lot of rich couples have had divorces. Yeah, that's not that's that's just that's that's a fraction of what you're called to do as a husband. Yes. To, to and and serving your wife and loving her well, again that comes with it comes with humility and esteeming her better than yourself, you know, and so if if we're going to have that mindset of okay, I want I truly want people to see the gospel in my marriage as opposed to I want my marriage to make me happy. The, Come on. The joy that will overflow from that gospel-centered focus will be significantly more than any type of happiness you could attain in this relationship without that. Right? Facts. So, but go ahead and keep reading because I know we got Matthew to get to. And yeah, some other passages, so, so. so we stopped at 25. I read 25 again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, by the way. So verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. I freaking love that. That is... I love that. I mean, that takes a different kind of love towards your bride to do that but i think that something that is important here in order to do this really doing this is a reflection of your love for jesus exactly exactly because if that's not right yeah if you're not properly loving jesus mm-hmm. you can't even do this no 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 it takes you got to be supernaturally empowered by the holy spirit because again that flesh is going to daily rear its ugly head it is it's going to daily want to behave as if fatigue um, and frustration and everything else is an out for you serving and loving your wife well. Yeah, that's, so, that's true. Again, he's saying she, there should be some splendor in the bride, right? There should be some sanctifying and some spiritual growth in her yeah. because she's married to you and you're loving her that well. You know, and again, when, Such when, a sobering yeah, thought, you can just go so many different ways with that. Wow. But again, I, one of the things that, and we got to be careful what we take pride in as, as men, but one of the things that I'm really grateful for is uh, Jess and I just celebrated eight years. Oh, and, praise God for and, that. In June. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, because, and, you know, that was one of the conversations that we had because this is both of our second marriage. I think we both had biblical reasons for, for our divorces and our previous marriages and we can tackle that in a minute but you know one of the things that i'm really grateful for is the amount of people who have commented 
on her splendor. And they yeah. don't use it in that terminology. They say things like, you look so healthy. And you, so you look like, yeah, you got yeah. some clothes. You look, you look, there's some really some peace and some joy in your life She's now. Walking different. Um, yeah. That. And, you know, again, you want her to be the best version of her by, by you loving her like Jesus loved the church and her loving her Savior more and finding her calling and her purpose in him and you cultivating that. At, at home and in your marriage so that she can just flourish like a well-watered vine. Like, yeah. a, you know, uh, and that's part of our job as husbands. And we get so caught up in the providing part because that's what men do. Um, you can't just check that one off and not check anything else. Yeah. You, and, you know, and to speak to the sisters that listen, because, you know, I don't want to neglect the ladies. Like, you know, this is a this is a heavy call for the the sisters out there, too. Because in the same token, I can say that the Lord has used my bride to grow me and to sanctify me just as much as he's called me to do the same for her. So to our sisters in Christ and you ladies out there who are wives that listen and to the ladies that want to be wives and are not wives yet, like understand that the call to be a godly wife is heavy as well. I'd love to have all of our wives on here one day to do a lady show with Jess and Sarah and Carly. Um, but I just wanted to take a quick second to just, you know, let it be known that the the call is heavy for the wife as well. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, to yeah, pull it's that out of for husband, husband and wife. Yeah, because, because you're not who you once was because you're with Jess just as much as she is not, you know what I'm saying? That'll be an entire podcast. Right. That one. Right. <laughs> For sure. So yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. 100%. Um, yeah. So I'm going to finish this passage. So now, uh, verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's, he quotes Genesis there. This mystery is profound. Also, by the way, he quoted Genesis because this is the type of time God's been on since the beginning. Oh, 100%. That's this ain't new. No, this, this ain't, ain't new. new. I love how Paul and Jesus both go to creation when they're talking about marriage. Because this is how God created mm -hmm. marriage to be. This is not new. Which... Yeah, I'm going to let you, I keep interrupting nah, you. Nah, so go ahead, finish, go ahead, you good. I only got one verse left, <laughs> go so ahead, go ahead. last verse, uh, well, two verses, verse 32, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Last verse, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Correct. And there is a biblical call for wives to respect their husbands. And I'm going to tell you, man, I've seen some, I've seen some men in church who've been married 30 years who are just beaten down. Yes. Um, yes. Your spouse doesn't need the butt of all your, doesn't need to be the butt of all your jokes. You don't no. need to be uh, talking to and about sarcastically your spouse all the time and things like that. Well, that's just how we communicate. Well, the root word for sarcasm in Latin is means the tearing of flesh. Yes. Um, so wow. we need to cut out all the sarcasm and, and, and how we relate to, and about one another for sure. So there is a biblical call for for wives to respect their husbands, and Peter talks about that in First Peter three as well. Um, 
So <clears throat> with all that said, um, I mean, obviously we see the reason we have Malachi 2.16 is because we have Ephesians 5 and God's design in Genesis for, for the husband-wife relationship. My side note there was Paul goes to creation when he's talking about marriage. Yes. Um, Jesus, when asked about divorce, goes to creation. He does. And they both say, for this cause, man shall leave his mother and father and be joined together with his wife and the two should become one flesh. Let me just say, that is a mouthful about sexuality and gender yes. and everything else that this culture has done to perverse God's design. 100%. Well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality, this, that, and the other. He just did. Paul just did. Because this is God's design for marriage, which is the covenant relationship where sexuality is supposed to be enjoyed. Husband, wife. Gender, sexuality. So I just wanted to pause there and kind of make that known. The, the podcast is not about that. But, yeah. you know, footnote. It's that necessary. one was free. So, so so now let's kind of shift gears here and just talk about, you know, divorce as in, you know, what are some reasons? I think it's important for us to discuss, you know, biblical reasons for divorce. And, you know, and then I also want us to maybe address, like, what do you say to the person that had a unbiblical divorce, mm -hmm. but maybe now they... You know, they've grown in their walk and they want to get married and maybe right. they did get married now. Yeah, sure. Well, so. I think that when you look at when when you do research on this, you can And there's a lot of passages. We don't we can't cover them all, but I a think a lot of we passages, just, a lot of takes on those passages. Yes, a lot of takes. And we want to do our best to be as biblically faithful as we can to not only the text that we read, but the text in relation to the, the whole scope of the scriptures. Correct. And so and we're not addressing these texts to support our flesh, but we want to be Correct. faithful as possible in exegesis. What did passages. you have from Matthew 5? So I had, let me go back. One moment, y'all. Matthew 5. Okay, here we go. So in Matthew 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this is right after Jesus finished talking about lust. So I just thought I'd point that out there. That's for free. Yeah. He says, and Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 31, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, make her commit adultery or whoever marries a divorced mm -hmm. woman commits adultery. Mm -hmm. um, that actually gets brought up again later in Matthew and Matthew nineteen. Yes, so when, and I will when go the Pharisees, well. when, when it's when the the scriptures say that the Pharisees the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking him, "Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause?" Um, and he answered, "Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother." <coughs> And hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So they go, well, why is it in the law then? Right? So 
They say to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality marries and marries another commits adultery. Mm, and can I, I think pause that, you and say yeah, that yeah. a hardness of heart in a marriage is a recipe for divorce? Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's going to happen. And so what he's saying there, because the Pharisees obviously would pride themselves on a lot of things. And I think that the the case of staying married and not being divorced would add to their religious resume. Right? Yes. So, so they're tempting Jesus. Well, is it okay to divorce your wife for any reason? Absolutely not. Because, right, because what they're doing is because when... And Jesus and, and, and God and his design is trying to safeguard the tendency of the human heart to to just look for a way out. Yeah. Well, this isn't working for me. This isn't what I thought it was gonna be. So. I don't like you anymore. Yeah. I paid I paid admission for the movie, but the movie sucks, so I'm gonna leave early. That is just that is a wild statement. I yeah. don't like you anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. And so uh, I paid money to get to the ball game. The ball game sucks. The team's getting blown out. This isn't worth it. I'm leaving. Imagine Jesus saying, "You know what? I don't like you anymore." Yeah. Jesus doesn't tap out on his bride. I, we give Jesus plethora of reasons to not like us anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've made him face palm <laughs> once or twice. But um, but he says, "Whoever divorces his wife." So he's speaking to men here, right? For any reason. Outside of sexual immorality and marries another is committing adultery because essentially you're breaking the covenant for an unnecessary reason so that you can go be with another woman. Yeah, and that's hard. It's such a hard, it's so hard. Well, she don't clean the house right, so I'm just going to divorce her. Or she's a little grumpy, so I'm going to divorce her. Or she gained weight after we had our kids, so I'm going to divorce her. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm just going to divorce her and go be with this other woman. When Jesus said, that's where your heart is, you're committing adultery. Yeah. Right? That's 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 kind of the essence of that passage. Right. So, um, so the obvious first, and in Matthew 5, I think the connotation there was slightly different, but similar. Yeah. Um, the which which is saying if you if you get divorced for just any old reason and enter into another marriage. You're essentially committing adultery. Yeah, and I think that's the heart of Jesus' teaching in terms of divorce. Like, try to avoid it by all means necessary. You know, we can't just freely just be out here divorcing one another. Right. We can't do that. So, one of the obvious reasons for divorce, biblically in terms of having a divorce that is justified biblically, uh, is in cases of sexual immorality, okay? Yeah. Um, because that is the ultimate betrayal. Yes. It is It is one that is not easily overcome. It can be. I know couples, Christian couples, where there, an affair had taken place. There was contrition and, 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 and conviction and sorrow um, and confession and repentance and working towards, and then there was forgiveness and reconciliation, which is the beautiful picture of the of the gospel, and not only just in justification but sanctification. And so, and and they're flourishing. It can be done. So yeah. there 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 does obviously need to be an attempt to save the marriage. Yes. And I can say I can speak on that from personal experience. I got married when I was twenty years old. Um, 
I got married and surrendered to ministry the same year. And, um, and that was that first marriage of my high school sweetheart. We started dating at a very young age at, you know, and, uh, entered into ministry shortly after that. And, you know, here we are 18 years, almost 19 years later. And it's, and it surfaces that there's been some infidelity there. And, you know, after you get through the raw emotion of gut wrenching devastation, you, you have to check your own heart. And I can remember if I can just share briefly, go for it. When all this hit the fan and I'll, Try to keep the expletives to a minimum. <laughs> you got the bleed button ready, Michael. Um, the next day, she she all this surfaces, and she verbalized some recent years of unhappiness and discontent, and she had never really verbalized that to me, uh, but it was internal, and she never really spoke about it, and. Um, so all that surfaced as she left. Well, I didn't know the extent of it until a few days later. But the next day, um, I reached out to her and I said, I just, I need you to come by and we need to sit down and talk. And I sat her on the bed and I was like, listen, you know, I understand in the chaos of life and children and school and work and ministry and and, and all of those things. I understand how you could have become vulnerable. What I don't understand is why you wouldn't communicate that rather than just acting out. Mm. But I told her that day in that conversation, I want to save this marriage. I love you. I'm willing to do whatever it it takes to keep this marriage together. Um, and, and I fought for that for several months uh, and it felt like the harder I fought for that, the the more she was pulling away. Oh, yeah, I've been there. And there is no amount of, listen, the only thing that can change that heart is is, is God. And, yes. and, and there was no amount of conversation, counseling, or anything that was going to change that from a human perspective. So I finally just had to stop and let, and let go. And, and I had a lot of hard conversations with God and a, a lot of nights of, just loneliness and weeping and questioning and crying out and anger and uh, frustration and anger is what I felt more than anything. Um, and ultimately, I was just like, she came by and it was on Valentine's Day. She came by and she said, if you want to file for divorce, do it. But I'm leaving and I'm going to go be single for a while. Wow. And so <clears throat> man, I, I thought about that, it. Man. Sorry, man. Um, I had a lot of conversations again in my head, and you know I do that a lot anyway, and just trying to talk with God and what I need to do, and reach out to some other people, and um, <laughs> coincidentally, a couple of weeks after that, um, Jess, who I'm married to now, had a quote from Thomas Kempis on her Facebook, and I messaged her about that quote, and uh, you know that friendship kind of sparked from that. And, um, and so, but anyway, so I finally just had to get to a point to where um, I did file for separation and ultimately divorce. And uh, I was obviously biblically justified there. It wasn't even just one single affair. It was a few over several years. And um, it was somewhat of a pattern of behavior and lifestyle. Um, and, and so, but I, I say all that to say that there wasn't a concerted effort 
prior to that to to love well and to serve and you know and and, and it was it was something that people saw um but it it it, it didn't land yeah. you know what i mean and so i can't explain that there's, yeah. there's no way that i can explain that and uh we had several conversations and um and it was you know her saying listen it wasn't it wasn't you or a lack of effort to love me well. And she kind of understands that on this side of things, you know, um, but you do fight for them. You don't just slam the door and leave. No, you don't. Cause you entered into covenant. Right. And so you, when you enter into covenant and you, and you understand the grand grand scheme of things in terms of God's design for that marriage, you want that marriage to survive even the most, uh, vile act of betrayal but when we went through hosea we, we you know we do the same thing yep. with our spiritual whoredom and adultery and turning and giving ourselves over to idols which is the picture of there in hosea and there's always redemption there there's yep. there's this constant pursuing of yahweh to his people um, and even now with jesus and his bride there is there is that constant pursuing of when we give ourselves over to idols and commit spiritual adultery so that was certainly something i was trying to practice there but you know, it, God had different plans, um, and we'll talk to the divorcees at the end. But you know, there was purpose in the pain for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the other, you know, you can make a couple of different cases. Uh, if Paul talks about First Corinthians seven after he talks about the need for consistent, selfless sexuality within a marriage. Yeah. Um, when he talks about that, he goes on to talk about. Um, divorce and what was happening there in a lot of the first century churches is people were being converted to Christianity and their spouse wasn't. And so there were a lot of people who were becoming unequally yoked there, right? Now, being unequally yoked is not um, a biblical reason for marriage. We see that in First First Peter 3 where Peter is talking to wives and saying, listen, you... If you have an unbelieving husband, he can be saved through your respect and obedience and, and faithfulness. Yes. Um, Come on. So you can't just get saved and turn your back on your husband and leave. Or, you know, same yeah. thing where the husband gets saved and leaves his the wife. covenant is still the covenant. Covenant is still the covenant that you entered into yeah. before God and everybody. Um, but he talks about if the unbelieving spouse abandons you mm-hmm. and leaves, then you got to cut the cord and move on. Essentially, there's there's a case for divorce there, yeah, because you've been abandoned by an unbelieving spouse, yeah, and and that you know that really, you know, for me, I was twenty two, twenty three when I was married and went and and our, you know, my marriage was nowhere near to the extent of Chris's. Um, We didn't even make it a full year of being married. and for me, you know, I can't definitive I can't definitively say that um, you know, it was adultery that I was cheated on. And so um there could have possibly been some implications there, but I don't have an I, I didn't have enough to, you know, go that route. So I won't say that. For me, it was an issue of abandonment where I had been left. Yeah. Um, and man, you know, till this day, um, you know, I, I hated divorce then mm-hmm. and I hate it now as someone that went through it. Um, you know, 
um, it it is not a good feeling. No, it's awful. It it it, it took. It's me, almost like death. It for me, it took me to the darkest season of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just talking to um, a gentleman about that. Um, that's going through a divorce right now, and I, you know, I talked to you about it earlier when I got mm-hmm. to your house. But you know, for me, like going through my divorce was the darkest season of my life for a lot of reasons. One being because I was at such a great place as far as ministry goes. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of opportunities on the table, and you know, I fought tooth and nail going to counseling by myself. Um, pleading and begging, you know, and, you know, I was left. And, you know, some would say that maybe my divorce was not a biblical reason for divorce, um, which if it isn't, I've made my peace with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had plenty of time. I've, I have yeah. spent years praying and repenting, um, over the divorce because I know that God hates it and I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was left and one day we'll go through our stories and I'll go into more details. Um, but, you know, for the sake of this episode, what I will say for me and my experience was um, it was not a good feeling. It just wasn't. Even if I wasn't the person that wanted to end the marriage, it's still like it just. It didn't make me feel better. Like, oh, well, at least I'm not the one that's wanting to... No, like, it's it sucked. Oh, it still sucks, yeah. It hurt. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't believe it. Well, marriage is that, that relationship where you are... Jess sees me in a way that no one else on the earth sees me. Mm. You know? Every other relationship is somewhat guarded. Yes. There's a little bit of... Uh, there's there's not there's not full transparency in the bearing of your complete soul to the other person. Very true. Whereas marriage is your your that is the relationship where you are the most vulnerable. So where true. you yeah, where you know, where you see Adam and Eve who are naked and unashamed. There's you know <clears throat> now you're still still both fallen and you're both sinners, but you are in that relationship where um I think we have to use the Oh, they fancy. Yeah. They got remotes. They got remotes for their Fancy lights. out here. I just don't know what We're sitting to outside, y'all. And we're sitting outside. Jess, um, Jess and Chris, they're... The back of their house is decked out. And they <laughs> bougie and got remotes for their outside lights. <laughs> oh, there, oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, that helps. That, that That's what I needed. Right. So... <clears throat> But that's why you you know your soul is so devastated when when that when there is that act of negligence or abandonment or betrayal or whatever it's this is the person that I I chose to love until the day that I die you know and there's so many people that just offer lip service to that shit when they go through their wedding yeah and even their premarriage counseling just talking and talk. just going through the motions because. In the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, there's an easy way out if this doesn't work out for me. Which, again, is what Jesus is guarding against in Matthew 19. Yeah. That 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 human tendency to, well, I can just get divorced for any reason. 
if this isn't the ultimate fulfillment for me, well, you know, again, you're entering into this relationship before God and everyone telling this person before God that I'm going to love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, as long as you both shall live. And over 50% of those suckers end in divorce. Why? Because they're not making, there's not a concerted effort to make the marriage about the gospel. And making marriage about self. Whoa, 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 whoa. I need you to say that again for the people in the bike. And <laughs> the, the bike implies Bro, voice. On. Yeah, that's what, they're, that's that what they're doing. They're entering into this covenant relationship and there's no concerted effort to make their marriage about the gospel. They're making it about self. And there, there is nothing that will reveal your selfishness so like marriage. Oh, nothing. my gosh. Come on. Bro. When you enter into that covenant and you realize that I exist for this other person and and I'm giving my I'm supposed to give myself fully to this other person. You realize just how selfish you really are. Like marriage reveals so much of the depravity in your heart and life that you didn't realize was there. hundred percent. It really does, man. Um, so you you know, there's a lot of commentators and and authors that use Exodus twenty one, ten and eleven, which that 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 passage leading up to that verse is is uh, you know laws about slaves and things like that. But there's this pause there and there that um, where Moses is talking about marital negligence. It, it appears, and a lot of commentators and stuff would say that there's there's that biblical reason there for for negligence and um where there is supposed to be a a, a, an effort especially on the part of the husband to to provide um and and to uh, create an environment of that flourishing and, and nourishment for his bride and if he is not working towards that end and he's being selfish and negligent financially and he's emotionally negligent and spiritually negligent and things like that and it just seems like there's no change and there's a dead end uh, a lot of commentators would say that there's a provision there for for um, divorce because of that negligence yeah yeah um, so there's a few different passages there in scripture that we can see that there is some some justification for divorce but it doesn't mean that god winks at it as if it's not a big deal yeah and i definitely don't feel like god winked at my divorce again no not at all i felt the weight of it and i I think one of the great yeah one of the great travesties of our culture is divorce yes the breakdown of the human uh, uh, of the family and that human relationship uh, of husband and wife um, yeah, and think, and the devastating effect that it has on our children. Yeah, Vody Bakum says it all the time. As goes marriages in America, as goes the country. Mm. You know, you want to end the nation, end marriages. And there is a cultural a cultural war against marriage. Yes, it's everywhere. It is. And it's again, it's almost presenting this this relationship as the enemy. You know, just don't get married, be selfish, 
and selfishness has become so virtuous in our culture and in our country, no wonder there's so many marriages that fail. And, and like, I think it's important to note that Jesus himself, while though was not married, loved marriages. I mean, my man's first miracle was at a wedding, was at a wedding in John 2. But the wedding weddings were not just, they weren't two-hour shindigs back no. then. They were seven-day parties. I mean, the first miracle of Jesus was at the wedding at Cana in John yeah, chapter John 2. 2. Yeah. And he supplied the drinks. I know Bro, a lot Jesus of people was not the bartender. like that. Jesus was the bartender. But Jesus was literally the <laughs> at the wedding at Cana. At the wedding at Cana, Jesus made sure that you could get the your drink good on. wine, bro. The good wine, bro. Not the cheap stuff. He didn't bring out the cheap watered down stuff. That like, was the miracle. That was the miracle. And you know, Jesus loved marriage, man. Like, like there is marriage is so beautiful and so special because of what it represents. Um, and I think, you know, we should take the time to end our show really talking to the divorcee and maybe pointing back to the gospel and finding much rest in Christ mm -hmm. for maybe there is a divorcee who is not married. Maybe they had an unbiblical divorce, but, you know, there is grace for them. Mm -hmm. There's forgiveness for them. Because I sure. think I think that... While we should take divorce very serious and and not take it lightly, I think on the other side of the spectrum is a lot of people that have went through a divorce get beat down by legalists. Yeah, yeah, the church just beats them down, makes them feel like crap, um, and they like they treat them differently. And I can speak from experience, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, a lot of and I've. And for the most part, I've made peace with this, mm -hmm. but it still sometimes it does bother me and I get my feelings about it. The The vast majority of the people that watch me grow as a Christian from my sophomore, junior year in high school, mm -hmm. you know, to my first marriage. I mean, these were people that I was going, I was going to church with these people for years they 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 saw me preach my first sermon. They saw me perform my first baptism. They saw me grow as a Christian over the years in my life. And the moment I went through a divorce, dropped me like a bad habit. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say some things to those who have suffered the tragedy of divorce. Um, there is grace. Amen. Um, there is so much grace. And there's redemption. There's hope. There is the promise of beauty from ashes. Um, God works providentially in spite of human actions. Yes. In a redemptive way to bring glory to himself through tragedy. And I'm just a living testimony of that. Come on, um, I am a living, I just feel like a trophy of God's grace sometimes. And I'm certainly not a trophy of Chris Hall's accomplishments or, or anything like that. I'm a, I'm a trophy of grace because, you know, when people look at me, I, want, I just want them to see the grace of a loving father so good. and a loving savior who, uh, who just loved me and, 
you know, when, when I went through my divorce, I, I didn't know the human soul could hurt that bad. I didn't. So true, bro. Um, so true. It was something that, and, and Jess, and I would love for her to share. Um, she went through a very nasty, nasty divorce. And um, it was a lot of uh, negligence and abandonment and um, just, just financial frivolous decisions that led to their ruin and um, stealing and just on and on and on the list went. And she finally got to a breaking point and she was done. And, um, you know, when you, you may not feel it if you've gone through divorce and, you know, you just feel like you're in this state of life where, uh, there is no hope for you. And I've had people message me. I've had people call me, message me on social media, come to me personally and just feel like there's no hope for them, but they see, you know, they've seen my story. They've seen my story with Jess and they see, a, a, a glimpse of hope and light there. And, you know, and I tell them all the time, like there's, there was purpose in the pain for me. I didn't see it initially. Oh no, I definitely didn't see it. Bro. Um, I was so angry. I feel that. Bro. Um, I feel that. I was so angry and that anger led me to some really dark places and, Same. um, just really hardened my heart in a lot of ways. But, by God's grace, in the midst of all of that, I never looked at marriage and said, you're the enemy. Yes. I never once said, I will never get married again. And I never was... once just gave up hope because I knew yes, God's design for marriage. Come I on, knew mar marriage is not the enemy. Pride is the enemy. Selfishness is the enemy. Um, narcissism is the enemy. Approaching marriage in any other way besides this is, I want this to show the world the gospel is the enemy. Yes. And, you know, it really, when, when, when Jess kind of came into my life and, and as a friend, and, and that's what I needed at the time, and she was actually involved with someone else at the time, and it was, it was really weird, but she was just there for me, and, and other people were there for me, and there were people who weren't even Christians who were there for me in a more gracious way than some Christians were. Um, there was some judgment there. There was some finger pointing. There was some whispers. There was some, uh, some gossip and things like that. And, you know, but there's, there's, there's grace. Yes. And, and that's why Karis exists. And that's why Karis is Karis because there's so much grace for you. Yes. Um, and, and when you get on the other side of that and you see God's hand was providentially working and graciously working in my life. And I didn't see it and yeah. I didn't know it. And I was just kind of, I, I felt like I was wandering and drifting aimlessly towards a cliff. And, and what I, what was unbeknownst to me was I was just on this crash course towards something better that God had in store for me. Yeah. A cliff looked mighty appetizing when you're going through a divorce. Um, and, and, and that something ultimately was my bride Jessica, and and you know Praise I have God, this man. this gospel centered fruitful marriage that, you know, and, you know, Jess and I will talk sometimes about, you know, and it's not perfect by any means. She'll she'll throw fisticuffs on me in a heartbeat. Jess on here one day for an episode. Um, she will she will get in my yeah. shit real yeah. quick, um, you know, and she'll call me, and you know, we had a very com hard conversation last night when I got done texting you. And, yeah. and the other gentleman that we were texting, she was yeah. like, Chris, you know what? I kind of see, I kind of see it a little bit. I need you to, I need you to just think. 
you know, I kind of see what they see. Um, and it's a hard. And I didn't want to hear that shit. I'll yeah, be honest no, with you. I, I didn't want to hear it. That. Yeah, definitely um, not. And so, but I had to hear it. Yeah, it's needed. So the marriage isn't perfect in the sense that we always get along and and and, and things like that. There's some there's some frustrating times and and difficult conversations and you know headbutting and things like that because we're two sinners. But I think it was Ruth Graham that said any fruitful marriage is is uh, is two really good forgivers. Yeah. You know, you got to be two really good forgivers. And so, you know, it is, but we often, but we often talk about how, like, we had no idea marriage could be this good. And one of the, and and the only reason for that is God's grace and his fingerprint is on the marriage. Right. His hand is on the marriage. And and you have a husband and a wife who understands that this marriage is bigger than them. That's right, man. you saying some stuff, man. When I was, and I want to shout out Pastor Terry Rogers from Faith Renewed. Um, Terry, shout out to Terry um, because he introduced he I, he is very passionate about marriage, um, and he introduced me to Doctor Jimmy Evans, who has one of the greatest <coughs> Christian um, marriage ministries, and one of the things that Doctor Jimmy Evans always says. He says that you have a 100% chance of a successful marriage when you do it God's way. Yeah. Yeah, because you're you're in covenant-keeping relationship, and you're not going to tap out. Jesus doesn't tap out on the church. And, and, and the church isn't tapping out on Jesus that, you know, he's, he's preserving the church. Um, he never sets his eyes on anything but the church, and that's another conversation for us men. But um, to someone who has experienced divorce, there is grace for you. There is purpose for you. There is redemption for you, and there is beauty from ashes for Amen. you. Um, and we are here. Listen, um, I did not handle my divorce in the most gracious way. I, um, I'm I was telling a myself, I, I handled my divorce like a piece of shit. Yeah. I was, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm being, no, too. I'm being, I'm, I'm being like legit. Like I look back, I'm 30 years old now. I was, I was 23, 20, I was 22, 23 years old going through that. How I handled my divorce was so unbecoming of a Christian. Yeah. It was, it was bad. cringy. It was embarrassing. And it, I had no business going on the sporadic, just, it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I blasted it on social media. I was, and I was filled with so much rage and anger and I wanted the world to know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to expose everybody. I, I want, I wanted to, you know, it, it was cringy. Yeah. And that is the one thing. That till this day, I'm just like, man, that is embarrassing mm-hmm. that I carried myself in that way. Yeah, but and, there's grace for you. And there's grace. And um, I hope that everyone listening, if you're someone that has been through a divorce, I want you to know that your identity is not in your divorce. No. Your identity no. is in Christ. And his mm. grace is sufficient. Mm. And you go and pursue godly marriage mm-hmm. and do it God's way. Yeah. 
and Jesus smiles down on you because yeah, there's hope. Yeah. There's hope in it. Marriage is his gift to you and I. And, and I think that's a good way to know, end it. Yeah, outside of his, his son, I think it's the greatest gift that God gives us, that's honestly. Right. Uh, I love being married to Jess. I love it. Love and, it. Um, you know, those, yeah, I'm very grateful for uh, the pain. I'm grateful for my story. It's not a Hallmark movie. It's <laughs> it's not a fairy tale no, by any not. means, but you know, it's it's God's story. Yeah. And you know, if I had to go, and I told I told the gentleman that um, me and you are going to get together with next week. I told him, I said, man, if I had to go through everything I went through a thousand times more, if I knew it would bring me to Sarah, oh, and where we are now, I'd do it yeah. again and again and again. So. Yeah, divorce is hard. It sucks. It stings. Yes. It's tragic. Um, God hates it. Yeah. God loves you. Yep. God hates divorce. He loves the divorcee. Um, so we're gonna end on that note. I hope you guys were encouraged, challenged, um, and in the words of Devin, who's not here, Devin, we love you. Keep Devin, keep smoking your cigars. Keep drinking your bourbon. Keep reading your Bibles. Peace.